Welcome back to What the Fertility Season 2. This morning we are sitting down with Elise, single gal to mama on Instagram. So Elise was um, single mother by, or is single mother by choice to her beautiful son, Artie. And we are so excited to hear your story and really all of the bumps that were extremely unexpected um, once you started the what you thought was pretty the pretty seamless journey into mamahood. So welcome, Elise. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was one of those weird things where I got a whole bunch of fertility problems added and acronyms <laughs> joined. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. I started my single motherhood journey back in 2020. Um, I actually got pregnant naturally um, in October of 2019 um, and miscarried shortly after. Um, and I was already 31 or 32 at the time. And I thought, see, you know, God doesn't want me to have a child. Like I shouldn't be a mom. Great. We can just close that chapter and be done. Um, and then fast forward to July, 2020, I got pregnant again, um, and miscarried again, but much later this time. Um, and that kind of jolted me to think, nope, you know what? I should be a mom actually. Um, and so while I was actively miscarrying, I scheduled an appointment with the fertility clinic. Um, oh. and when I told them, I want to be a single mom by choice, surely there's a way to do that. Um, what do I need to do? And they weren't very busy and they had me in like two weeks later. Oh, um, amazing. That that is yeah. wild. I don't want to interrupt you, but back, let me back up a little bit. So I actually met Elise through my husband because we were like, so 2020, whenever the times overlapped, Elise was literally giving herself shots at the gym, like in right before she would go do this workout. And my husband would come home and be like, yeah, there's another girl doing IVF. And she just, <laughs> just brings her shots into the gym. And I was like, I swear to God, if you tell me to go to the gym while I'm doing this, I'm going to kill you. So Elise was like this mysterious woman of like IVF. And that's how I actually met her. So I didn't know that initial story. Yeah. Um, it's kind of wild. It was funny. I had to get permission from the coaches to do IVF and be allowed to work out. Um, so yeah, I would bring my cooler with my shots because they put me on human growth hormone and I had to do them every day at seven and it didn't work. Like I would have never made it home. And I was like, surely I can just bring the cooler. Like, could I put it like, it feels weird telling the girls up front, like, Hey, there's needles in my cooler. Can I put this in your like back room? So no one accidentally takes it. Yeah. Um, yeah you were, I did not like you during the time, but <laughs> I <laughs> did not like me either during that time. So because every, like you can totally work out when you're pregnant. I was like, no way, no right. way. Absolutely right. not, but I wanted to continue while I was at least priming for IVF. Yeah, but, so sorry yeah. to interrupt, but I am so sorry oh, for both of your fine. losses. I, I had no idea. Yeah, it was a, I had a chemical pregnancy in 2019 and then I had a blighted ovum in 2020. Okay. So, so um, you had like an inkling of an idea that, okay, maybe, maybe I may struggle a little bit even with yeah. IVF. I thought maybe this is a little bit more challenging just because I've, you know, TMI, but I've never used protection um, and was just lollygagging around and nothing ever happened. I was like, that's probably not a good thing thinking about it. <laughs> and then sister struggled to conceive. Hmm. Um, so I was thinking, shoot, if this is, you know, genetic, then that would not be good. She actually had a thyroid problem 
So she lost her first two also, and one was also blighted ovum for her. Um, and then she had an IUI and the first one took and mm-hmm. she scheduled the second one and accidentally got pregnant the month before. And then the third was a complete accident. And I was like, great, look at how easy it is. You just have mm-hmm. one IUI. Boom. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> like IUI sounds great. Like, let's do that. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's like not. So, okay. Quite. So you went to the fertility clinic. You were actively miscarrying yeah. for that second one. Um, yeah. and did, you said that was early 2021, uh, late 2020. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I had my first appointment either in August of 21 or 20 or September of 2020. Um, and so yeah, they was pretty receptive to this single mother by choice thing. Like, or it's, how does yes. that, how did that conversation? Yeah. This it's still the South. Um, so it's a little bit touchy, which I figured out because not all of the nurses are receptive. The doctor didn't care. He loved it. Um, but not all of the nurses were helpful, you know, still referring to my husband needing to come in for his sperm analysis. And I was like, I don't have one of those. Um, and I actually went back a couple of weeks ago and they still are saying it. So, oh, wow. And where are you originally from? Me? I'm from Europe. I, I know. I told Amanda, I said, I'm pretty sure she's from, I was going to say like Denmark or Amsterdam. What is yeah. It? Holland. Amsterdam. Okay. Cool. So you're like, it's yep. separate. <laughs> you're, definitely yeah. different culture and different yeah. like mindset than like the Southern American. Yes. <laughs> and I've for long enough to know that it wasn't going to be receptive, but I'm also here to break those, you know, preconceived notions that people have that you can't do it by. Yeah, like, for sure. Is oh, this no. absolute love trade and done this with someone else, but it wasn't an option given. So. Sometimes you have to make the, like the most of it. Um, I love that. And your son is so adorable, but okay, let's back up. Okay. So you start this journey and did they say, so I didn't even think about this, but, and Amanda can probably relate in terms of donor. So you had to immediately start the donor sperm process. So I had my first appointment. They did just some blood work and I had a chat with the doctor who basically schooled me about my own body. I really felt like I was in just like a lesson about how your body works. And I was like, uh, I feel very in over my head here. Very in my head. Um, but yeah, scheduling, you know, all the tests, the blood work, the follicle count, all of that. And then my nurse gave me just a book and she was like, this is the sperm bank we use. Here are some featured donors. If you see any that you like, you can sign up an account and it pretty much is like tinder <laughs> you can swipe <laughs> donors and you get a fairly good amount of information you get a couple of baby pictures um their donor name i guess um you know their birthday what their parents do mm-hmm. um brother sisters like family medical history you can get really nitpicky if you want to but do I care that the donor's second cousin twice removed had acne as a kid? Probably not. <laughs> I so. Love so much. What you were looking for specifics though, right? I think I, I remember you- Yeah. I have only ever dated the same type of guy. And that's who I think I would end up with if I do get lucky enough to have a husband. So I wanted someone that looked like that. So tall, dark hair, and blue eyes. <laughs> I love, love it. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so funny. So- you are t- tall, blonde, and green eyes. Blue eyes. Blue eyes. So I can't. Yeah. Gonna have blue eyes. Um, and then hair wise, Artie looks nothing like the donor. 
Um, he he's got just thick, like gray, you. dark brown hair, and Artie's got a mop of curly blonde hair. Oh my, that is hilarious. Yeah, so funny. He is in the 96th percentile, so he does take after the donor with that. But yeah, I ordered four vials initially, and I think I should have had an inkling there that I didn't think it was going to be easy because why would you buy four? You could have just bought one and thought it's going to be one and done. Like, of course, it's going to be one and done. Um, so yeah, I went through all the testing. They did the HSG, which I was like, I will never do that again. That was not fun. Um, and then I had a sperm picking party with one of my friends. She came over, we had margaritas and just, oh my gosh, wait, I love that so much. That is so fun. I mean, you got to make it like, you know, interesting and fun about it. It's a hard process in itself. Like what? I'm picking the other half of my child's genetics. Yeah. What? what? You definitely need a drink doing that. 100%. <laughs> and there was one in the magazine and I was like, that's it. It's him. For sure it's him. And then I went and looked and he didn't have any vials available. I'm like, no, shoot. Um, and so I tabled him and tried to find some others, but you have to go through genetic testing um, to make sure that you and the donor aren't carriers for the same thing. So I was kind of, you know, still looking for him and then I called and they had vials available. Wow. Um, so it winded up being the one that you originally wanted. It was the one that I originally wanted. Oh, I love yep. that. That's so cool. Yeah. Um and so we did IUI number one, I think in September or October of 2020. And I started testing at four days post IUI because I was like surely this line's gonna show up any any minute. Uh no very much negative. Um, and I was like, shoot, really? Um, and I'm more of the aggressive route. Like let's start meds. Let's not like, what are, why are we waiting for my body to figure it out? Just like, you know, I'm wasting more than a thousand dollars, every single vial that you're just putting up there. Can we make sure it works? Cause so, 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 okay. So per vial, is that like per IUI or per IVF? So for IVF, they cut it in half. Um, which is amazing, but for IU or ICSI, I say ICSI yep. or whatever. Um, yeah, because they can <laughs> handpick them. Yeah, which is wild. wild to think about. I gave them like thirteen million, and they picked one, and that was a thousand dollars. And I'm like, golly, that stinks. But <laughs> yeah, they at least cut it in half for IVF. But for IUI, they just thought out, um, and then just use. I mean, the isn't even that much, but they use the full amount. Um, per IUI. So that, okay, so you did one IUI that failed. Did you do the other two? Um, and then I did another one and another one. Um, I actually ended up doing four IUIs and my body was hating it. And it was starting to ovulate sooner and sooner into my cycle as early as cycle day five. Oh, uh, oh and so God. I had two missed cycles because I started to ovulate early and they were like, Hey, that is a warning sign of menopause. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, that's not good. Uh, what I want. Yeah, literally, I don't want that. And we figured out that it's my body just reacting to the gonal that they put me on. Um, it just like got a little bit overzealous and was like, woohoo, let's ovulate. Um, so I ended up trying IUI number four with a different donor because that was my last vial of him. And I didn't want it just in case I needed IVF. I wanted to keep my one vial of him left. Um, so I randomly picked someone else and still failed. And I was like, okay, so it's not the donor. Cause I mean, you could just not be compatible. Ooh, yeah. Um, and so then it was time to move on to IVF. Um, and 
the clinic here is $15,000 and I did not have that. <laughs> um, so I switched clinics to CNY in New York and that was in February of 2021. And I prepped for my first round. It's really difficult there because they do cookie cutter IVF. They kind of put everyone on the same plan, the same amount of meds. Um, and that's great. And it works for probably 90% of the people, but the other 10, it does not work for, uh, which come to find out <laughs> following the wrong side of that statistic. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was going to ask, yeah. So I was going to ask, okay, so you've done these four IUIs, you go to C, um, yeah. is CNY, right? Yeah. So yeah. at this point, had you been quote unquote diagnosed with any type of infertility? I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which great. Like that does nothing. <laughs> um, and then um, my AMH was low enough that they added diminished ovarian reserve to that. Um, and then I had my OB, love that man. I would just go and say, hey, could you run this list of things? And he did. He ran every blood test that I asked him to do that were wild and so out there, um, but figured out a lot. But yeah, round one, just fail. Um, it was terrible. I also, there is no local monitoring clinics here. So I had to drive three hours to Charlotte to be monitored. Oh so I'd leave goodness. morning for 6 a.m. ultrasound, 8 a.m. blood work, and then I would work on the way home and then I would go to work those days. And it was really difficult because um, you're obviously not telling people that you're trying to do this, especially as a single mom, people are judgy um, and it's not very common yet, or at least people don't really talk about it. Um, so that was pretty difficult. And then, you know, I had 15 follicles, I think that were measuring good enough to be, um, retrieved. And so amazing, you know, I drove 16 hours to New York. Um, oh because my I, God. I had to bring my dog with me. Oh uh, my God. No so in like the March at this point, March 2021. Um, yeah, drove 16 hours, brutal. <laughs> Stayed in a hotel and then I had my retrieval, I think the following day, and they got seven eggs. And I was like, seven? What happened to my like 15 beautiful follicles that we saw? And they were like, they were empty. And I was like, empty? That can't be good. Um, and then I got the call the next day that only two were mature. Oh my God. Like, whole what? Like, because everything you see online is all about the numbers and the attrition game and all of this. And I'm like, well, if I'm starting with two, I'm going to have zero left by the end of this. Because from what I've seen, other people start with 40 and they have two. So like, how am I going to end up with anything to transfer? Um, luckily, they let some of them grow overnight. Um, and so I ended up with five embryos or five eggs that they fertilized all of them fertilized, which was amazing. Um, and I ended up with three day three embryos. They were all terrible quality. Um, I think they were all poor, which is the lowest scale that CNY has. Um, and so I chose to transfer two back um, during a fresh transfer on day three. Um, and so had my fries, drove my 16 hours back home. Oh, after your retrieval, you then, I can't, I can't even yeah. imagine that. Days after my retrieval. Um, oh, and I started Pio also. That was fun. Um, what is that? that? I, 
the progesterone and oil shots. Oh, duh. <laughs> yeah. Those were fun. Oh, I have a live on my Instagram where I do the first one because I was freaking out in the hotel room. <laughs> okay, let's pause right there. So, okay, your Instagram, single gal, G-A-L, to mama. Yeah. So we'll link that on the show notes, but that's awesome. Just the, you have a whole, you have two Instagrams, obviously your personal, but this is completely yeah. dedicated to yeah. the lifestyle, the, the pre-planning, all that stuff um, to yep. get to your son, which is so cool. But I just hear you even sharing the story and like, there has to be such a whole other component of even just IVF and infertility when you don't have yep. that support system. Yeah. And it's weird. I think most single moms obviously don't expect to have fertility issues. And so many of us are thrown into the infertility world where we kind of feel like we don't belong because, you know, it's not what we set out to do necessarily, but does anyone, you know, um, but we just think we're missing sperm. That's it. Right. Like the rest should be easy. Mm -hmm. Definitely not for everyone. And sure. Some, you know, do ICI at home and get pregnant. You're like, what? <laughs> and then there's some that need nine, 10 rounds of IVF and, you know, it still doesn't work. So it's just a crapshoot for everyone. It seems like, um, but yeah, my tests were positive once I got home and then they were not, um, they just slowly faded back to stark white. And I was like, come on, come on. Um, and so for round two, I decided we were going to do the kitchen sink because I was going to throw everything I had at that second round. So I could say, I've done everything. I tried my best. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Um, and then uh, my best. Sorry, Elise. At this point, are you out of the sperm that you picked originally? Like, did you use nope. that last vial or you? Oh, because it went in half. Uh, okay, got it. Yeah. Which I didn't know. So I was mourning the fact that, you know, I lost my donor because he wasn't donating anymore. Um, and I think he had a two year wait at that point. Um, and I'm like, oh no, well, you know, can you cut the half in half? So I have, we're just going to pick one out. Come on. Yeah. You know, like one, one single one. It's still weird to think about, but yeah. So I still had that half at the clinic, but I was going to do the kitchen sink. And then if that didn't work, I was going to move to embryo donation or adoption. Um, because maybe my own eggs just aren't good enough mm -hmm. um which is fair and it's fine um but yeah we did I literally did everything I could I read the book it starts with the egg front to back um I've never taken so many supplements in my entire life I think it was up to like 25 different things at the time um and I started working out really diligently um I did gluten-free dairy-free sugar-free caffeine-free I was having no fun <laughs> You're not kidding about the kitchen sink from diet to exercise, yeah. to supplements, to lifestyle. I was researching everything. I was, why are my eggs empty or my follicles empty? Why, you know, I stimmed for so long and nothing was happening. Do we maybe need to switch medications? What else can I be doing? Um, you know, why are they not implanting or they're starting, but then they're not growing further? Like what is happening? And so that's when my OB ran all my blood work and we found out my natural killer cells were high. Um, and I was like, of course my body I was just going to say, that's packaging. why you and I connected because that's where yep. I was at in my journey. And I was going to, when I heard you talk, I was like, didn't you do intralipids? Yep. For 14 weeks. 
Okay, we got to talk about all of this. Okay, so hold yeah. on. Let's go, let's go back. This is why you and I like connected so quickly because I yeah. was at that like reproductive immunology as well after reoccurrent loss and like no answer. And I just right. hear you like you're such an advocate for yourself because like you're seeing all these doctors and CNY is incredible, top notch, but like they're not giving you these answers nor are they even like looking into it for mm-hmm. you. So you just like have to, in order to like even know what to ask them for. Otherwise, to your point, they're just going to cookie cutter it and you could just be doing the same thing every time. And you have to really advocate for yourself. I've never had to do that before in my life. I'm not an outspoken person. I will probably not tell you what I'm really thinking. (laughs) Um, I'm just quiet in the corner, but nope, not then. Um, I made a really big stink, a really big stink. Um, And I got my own personal nurse assigned to me for my second round at CNY. Um, And she's amazing. I email her probably every quarter or something with a little update of Artie um, and remind her that if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be there. Um, Because everything that, you know, Google searches came up with, I would present to her and say, hi, what do you think about these 15 things? And she was like, okay, why don't we do this, this, and this? And I was like, okay, great. Like, this is like a good balance between me just randomly googling stuff I don't know how this stuff works I don't mm-hmm. no one really so what so that. what was the time frame from the um the IV your first IVF cycle where you miscarried and to where you did the the next transfer because it sounds like I think a lot of people might be like okay that's a lot of like lifestyle change supplement change how long did that take three months that's okay the 90 days yep the 90 days I was like we have 90 days like let's get it let's get it. Like, what can we do in 90 days? Um, and yeah, I tried everything. We were positive thinking, we were meditating, I was doing yoga, acupuncture, um, you know, whatever, whatever Google said, I was doing it. <laughs> the, true, the true definition of the kitchen sink. Yes. And it felt bizarre to do it. But at the same time, I knew in my heart that I truly was doing everything I could. And there was nothing more that I felt like I didn't want to leave that round and say, well, I wish I would have tried whatever, because there wasn't anything left for me to try. So when it came time, I primed with the human growth hormone for three months. Um, and yeah, we tried a whole different protocol. We threw Manipure in there instead of the low dose, um, HCG, my body responded much better to that. Um, and I went back to Charlotte to have monitoring. So that was fun. Still the three hour drive one way just for 6am ultrasound and one vial of blood. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. I ended up stimming for 11 days. I think, um, we did higher doses. I started cetratide really early because my body just loves to ovulate on its own. Um, so I started cetratide, I think day two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Of my stims. I also day two of my cycle. I started. I was going to say, and just for people listening, that basically stop, hold your body from releasing any eggs that you are. So it's almost like the antagonist to all the meds you were doing to stem. Right. It's trying to prevent you from ovulating on your own. Um, and I wanted to try a double trigger with Lupron and, um, what's the other one? I think it's HCG, right, Amanda? That's why your pregnancy test is positive after you do a trigger. Yeah. Um, but I was priming with Lupron. So then you can't also trigger with it. So I was like, okay, fine. But that was one of the things I researched of empty follicles is like a Lupron trigger would help, but 
my nurse and I discussed that Lupron during stims would be more beneficial for me than to do with the trigger. So I was like, okay, it's fine. Um, and then, yeah, we did interlipids, which is standard at CNY. I just did them for longer, but you do your first one right after your retrieval. Can you talk about that for listeners? Cause that's, yeah, yeah it's it, big in the reoccurrent loss community. Yes. And it is wild. Um, it is this white milky stuff. Um, it's egg whites and sometimes it's fish because I couldn't get egg whites. And so we had to use fish lipids. Um, but it basically helps stop your immune system from overreacting. Um, and so it's hoping to prevent your body from attacking the embryo that you just put back. And can you talk about the high it's in cake, it's natural killer cells and how mm-hmm. that aligns with natural killer cells and intralipids. And again, that's like when you're diagnosed with unexplained reoccurrent loss, that's pretty much like the catch all at the bottom is that you have high yep. natural killer cells, which attack the foreign body, which is, you know, the fetus. And yep. a lot of just standard reproductive endocrinologists don't agree with it. And they say it's wild. It's not true. Natural killer cells are actually beneficial for pregnancy. Um, so you get a lot of pushback in places like CNY, clinic. <laughs> that's where like a lot of us end up going to because they support they really support it and really see, they've seen, they have data and they've seen results. Um, you're a perfect example, but, um, yeah. I guess and I don't it's know what. Spooky when you first start, um, especially when you come from like a more standard clinic before that, like my IUIs were completely different. So it was the whole clinic. Um, I don't think they would have ever recommended acupuncture, you know, but CNY was like acupuncture. Every day. See why, do, don't they have like, I know some clinics, Amanda, I think maybe yours did. Don't they have, a lot have like acupuncture, like literally yep. in the same building as the clinic. Oh, yeah. That's how for, uh, in Michigan, when we went for our embryo transfer, I literally would go right before the transfer. And then I went right after the transfer and they were like, yep. Okay. Go right there now. That's amazing. I had acupuncture before and after my transfer on the same bed that they did the transfer. That's the oh, that's just- cool. Mine was not like that. That's really that cool. That is cool. They just like come in and do it, but, um, yeah. Where'd I leave off? I, I think I asked a question and then answered it myself. Oh, so. yeah, that's, but yeah, <laughs> for killer cells, because once it implants, it recognizes it as foreign, which is why they implant and we get those positive tests and we're like, yay. And then your body's like, Whoa, no, we don't know what this is. Bye. Um, and yeah, and it actually can get worse. The more miscarriages you have the actually the faster and again, this is all crazy science that's out there that's not proven, but the theory is that the more times the NK cells attack the foreign body, they'll just do it, they'll recognize it faster mm-hmm. each time. And so then you start to have chemical pregnancies if maybe you've you know carried 13, right. 14 weeks. Well, now all of a sudden you're just having these chemical pregnancies because your body's attacking. They think they're helping you faster. Right. Yeah. Which is great for other things, you know, yeah. like the cold or whatever daycare crud you get, but it doesn't seem to be working for that. It only works for pregnancies. Um, But yes, so I did intralipids when I got to New York. So we did the retrieval and uh, I had 15 follicles again. I was like, great. They were looking perfect. Uh, And we got seven eggs again. And I was like, what? Same number. Oh gosh. Yeah. So then I get the call three are mature. And I was like, you're joking. This is like, I, I prepped for three months to make sure that this did not happen. Mm-hmm. And here we again, 
And so of the two or of the three, two fertilized and they, my, my plan, which is hilarious because I don't know why we make any plans when we do infertility, but uh, my plan was to grow them all to day five, all of them, which I <laughs> didn't have any, but I was going to grow them all to day five and do genetic testing. Hilarious. That did not end up happening. Um, so my two grew to day three. And I chose to transfer them back at that time. I felt like they should go back to where they came from. I actually had them thaw my one remaining embryo from the first round also. Um, and I got special permission to put three embryos back, which okay. looking at having one, I would not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my gosh, things all like take. I just but, noticed you say this verbiage, like transfer them back. And I love that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. You put them back where they belong. I love, I love that. Back in. Um, that's where they're supposed to be. And that's mm-hmm. where they're thriving. Mine were never going to make it to day five if we push them in the lab, because that's not where they were supposed to be. So we put three back. We'll not do that again. Um, I am a firm believer now and just do one. But I was thinking, what's the worst that happens? I have triplets. Great. After all this time trying to have a baby. If that is the worst thing that happens, then that is going to be fine. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, now that I have one. <laughs> um, so yeah, we put them all back once again, drove 16 hours back home. Hurricane Elsa was like barreling down on the East coast as I was driving back. And you're just by there. yourself. Well, you have your dog, right? I have my dog. Um, and I did actually have a coworker with me, um, because I wanted Valium for my transfer. <laughs> so, um, I had to have someone there with me. So we drove back, um, got back right in time to just be pummeled by Hurricane Elsa. And um, I didn't test. I just let it be. I knew that there was nothing I could do. Testing early wasn't going to make a difference. And I was going to just go on pretending it worked because I had no proof that it didn't. Uh, And exactly, I transferred on a Tuesday. And Saturday, I was in the ER. with, um, I could not keep any food down. And I was like, oh no, I think I have OHSS. And, um, that's what the doctors thought too, but they ran my beta and I was already pregnant at the time, wow. like, which they didn't tell me. Um, I just saw it in my records like a month later. They didn't like, tell you? They didn't tell yeah. you. Oh, cause I told them I had just had a transfer and I did do the trigger. So it should have been positive. And also uh-huh. I forgot to mention. So my new protocol was, um, I did an HCG wash before my transfer. Then I did HCG booster shots after my transfer. So we're tricking my body into thinking it's pregnant to hopefully hold on to the embryos long enough that it can take over by itself. So regardless, if I had peed on a test, it would have been positive. There would have been no way for me to tell if it was a baby, multiple babies, or just the booster. Gotcha. So it was easier mentally because. For sure. You know, yeah. That really makes sense. Um, and then we added Nupogen, which is another one I found on Google. Um, it's the most expensive drug I have ever been on. Um, but it's also said to help with natural killer cells. What it does is it skyrockets your white blood cell count, which if you don't tell people that in the emergency room, they will freak out. Um, I think you have like cancer, right? Yeah. Like, isn't, yeah. 
oncology because my like white blood cell count was off the charts. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm on Neupogen. Like that's supposed to happen. They're like, why? Because that's not the normal use for it. Exactly. Uh, and I was like, well, it's a funny story. Um, you know, they're like, we think you should be admitted. And I was like, I'm, I promise you I'm fine. I'm actually fine. <laughs> You're um, like, you need testing done. Yeah. And I was like, I'm actually good. But yeah, they, I mean, we did an ultrasound and they could see like fluid filled, you know, ovaries, which of course you're just coming off of a round of IVF. Like your ovaries are going to be a little bit, not very happy. Um, and they just told me to, you know, lay low and it should pass. I got Zofran prescribed at three weeks pregnant. So that's great. <laughs> um, and yeah, then we did interlipids. So I was going to go to my OB because obviously I can't go to CNY every week. Um, I was going to go to my OB, but there's a special valve that interlipids need and the OB didn't have it. And so they started calling around and I actually went to the cancer center every single week for my interlipid infusions every week. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. How is it? So it's an infusion. Yep. Yep. So I let them practice, um, you know. I was like, whatever vein you want to pick, go right ahead. Um, and I would sit there. They would bring me snacks. They were the loveliest people. I've gone back and introduced them to Artie um, because we did a little gender reveal there for them. Um, and oh, they were Yeah. Um, and then when I was seven weeks, I decided to move to a different state. <laughs> pause. Pause. Hold on. When you were seven weeks, did you know you were seven weeks? Yeah. So I got my, my beta. Um, July 19th, which was the due date of my first miscarriage. Um, and they sent a little rainbow down instead. Um, and I just hoped for a beta that was high enough that we would know it wasn't the boosters. Um, and my initial beta was 243. And I was like, yes, that's definitely not the boosters. Cause they make it, I think 10 to 15 or something. Um, and so, yeah, I called my mom so incoherent. I don't even think she knew if it was good news or bad news because I was making no sense <laughs> and she was screaming and crying. And that's when I took a pregnancy test. And that's the only one I took. I took one. Um, I don't know how I did that, but yeah, <laughs> just girl who started yeah. four days post IUI to not testing at all. Um, so yeah, and then um, I am the also low statistic of betas not doubling. Um, I know there's such a push for like, it's only a viable pregnancy if your betas double. And I'm in everyone's comment, like, not the case, not the case, not the case. Doesn't have to be like that. Like, don't be like me and absolutely freak out when they don't double. Mine didn't even come close to doubling. It went from 243 to 366 to 561. It Wow. Uh, it, um, and I'm freaking out to my nurse at CNY, obviously. And she's like, breathe. It's going up appropriately. And I was like, really? This is appropriate? Everyone online is saying, you know, it needs to double. And she's like, it's false. As long as it goes up by like 30%, it's fine. And I was like, okay. So then I go back one more time for my final beta. And, you know, I check my little lab core portal and it says zero. Q, like, I've never freaked out quite like that before. Um when I called my nurse, carrying my beta zero. And she was like, oh, LabCorp probably gave you the wrong person's results. And I was like, what? Because someone else is thinking they're very pregnant when they're not. And I'm <laughs> oh thinking How traumatic to do that to someone who's had losses before to send them a beta of zero. 
Oh, uh, lost and someone yeah. else they sent a positive beta result to. So not the best um, thing oh. to have happened. Um, and they were like, we want you to go back one more time. And I was like, honestly, I'm a little traumatized. <laughs> I don't know if I like, really want to go back. Um, and my nurse promised I would get the right results. And I was like, okay, if you promise. And it was 19,000. And I was like, okay, now we can breathe. Now we're good. Yeah. Um, That's insane. And so I, like yeah, it was so traumatizing. Um, and I was on like a family vacation, you know, like finally telling my sister and her kids that I'm pregnant and then it's zero. And I'm like, oh, really again? Um, but no, at five weeks and five days, he was a little tiny yolk sack. Um, and I was like, so not a blighted ovum. And they're like, nope, there's something in there. And I was like, okay. And they said, you know, we'll see you back at seven weeks. And I was like, oh, really? Can I come like sooner than that right. uh, <laughs> like please because I'm used to being at a fertility clinic where they you know do an ultrasound every single week and then you graduate but I'm not anywhere near my fertility clinic so I'm going to my OB who you know doing an ultrasound at five weeks for them was already like you know so yeah. rare because mm-hmm. uh, they're like oh, I'm in when you're eight weeks no absolutely not um also, I put three back. So like, can we check to see how many? There I was going to say, were you like at this point, like, oh my, is there, is it multiples or anything? I, were you like. Until I was like 30 something weeks pregnant. Like we're sure there's just one, right? Like there's not one hiding yeah. behind other. Yeah. Um, there's just one. I'm like, no. Okay. Okay. I can, I can breathe a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's seven weeks and five days. I think I saw his heartbeat for the first time. Um, and I'm pretty sure I traumatized that entire waiting room because I screamed so loud. <laughs> but I'd never seen a heartbeat. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah. And so we graduated from CNY at that time. Um, and so after that ultrasound, I moved to Virginia um, to just be closer to family um, while I was pregnant. Um, but I drove back six hours every time I had an appointment in Charleston because I knew I was going to deliver here. Um, so that was fun. I had to find a different place in Virginia to do my interlude. You just didn't want it to be simple. <laughs> I just, like if there is a difficult path, put me there because easy, <laughs> not my course apparently. Um, but yeah, I found like an immune place that did it there. Um, and so I would go watch TV, do my little 30 minutes. Um, they were not fans of what I was doing because my blood pressure would tank every time I got one of those IVs, it would be like 50 or 70. Wow. Okay. So you had, you said this earlier. So until you were about 14 weeks pregnant, you were doing intralipids and is that, yep. rec- that's pretty recommended, right? Almost so you get out of the first trimester. Yep. yep. And I misunderstood my nurse and I thought she said 40. And I was like, that is a long time to do these. And she and was like, a lot of money. yeah, yes. Um, and she was like, 14 is not that. I was like, are you saying 40 or 14? And she was like, 14. I'm like, oh, okay. That's better. Um, and I was allowed to stop Neupogen at 10 weeks. And then the boosters I stopped at eight weeks. Um, and Neupogen is $325 for a vial that lasts you five days. Wow, brand that medication alone. Um, and then I was told I could stop progesterone at 10 weeks, but it really freaked me out to trust my body enough to have the placenta do it. So I volunteered to do it for two weeks more. That's what I did. (laughs) Yeah. 
an inch and a half needle, like, please sign me up to do more of these. So week 11, I did every other day. And then week 12, I did every two days. And then I just like kind of weaned myself off of it. And that, it just felt better for me. Oh, I got it. Um, yeah. And then found out he was a boy, um, which is so wild. Um, he had a different name until I was 28 weeks. And I was like, this is not the right name. I woke up at like oh, three, like, it's not the right name. Oh it's God. not. I love it. Yeah. And I, everyone's like, well, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no not idea. This, but it's not this. <laughs> it's oh, not that. Oh. Um, so yeah, he is named after my dad and both of my grandpas. So I try to put three names and make it into two. Um, so that took a little bit of brain power, but I, I moved back. It. I think I was 30 weeks pregnant when I moved back. <laughs> Highly don't recommend moving at 30 weeks pregnant. Uh, yeah, moved back to Charleston. And at 32 weeks, I went into preterm labor. <laughs> so right on time. Oh my gosh. I didn't I think did. I realized that either. Crazy. Yeah. So what happened? I thought my water broke. Um, it did not. <laughs> um, but I went to labor and delivery just to get checked out. And they were like, do you realize you're having very bad contractions? And I said, no. And they were like, well, we have to check and make sure it's not doing anything and not, you know, actively dilating you. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. Um, so they checked and they were like, nope, you're good. Um, you know, no dilation, not effaced at all. Um, and so they sent me home and I couldn't sleep. I was in so much pain and I went back the next day and I was one centimeter dilated and they were like, Oh no, like you're dilating now. So I had to stay for four days, get steroid shots, talk to the NICU team, um, and kind of just prepare. And then he didn't come. <laughs> the contract stayed, um, and he didn't come. So I was sent back home after those four days and I had contractions for 40 days every two minutes and he didn't come. Oh, wait, <laughs> what? Yep. You're a freaking superhero. That's insane. So at, I told my OB that I wanted a C-section. I was like, I don't even want to try. I'm so tired at this point. Just cut him out. Um, yeah. I don't, you know, the, from what I researched, the rates of like maternal exhaustion leading to a C-section were high enough for me to just say, why don't we just do that? Start I can there. part where my contractions get worse because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm good. Um, I know what it's like to dilate. Great. Let's just do a C-section. And they were not thrilled about that. Um, but I told them I will sign whatever you want me to. It's my body, my choice. Um, and she said, you are correct. It is. Um, and so 37 weeks and five days, I was like, I am not feeling good. Something is off. I don't, I'm not, I'm just not feeling good. So I went to my OB and they did a non-stress test and he was tachycardic. Um, so his heart rate was past 185, um, which is way too fast. And basically what was happening was he was low on fluid and his cord was getting compressed, which was causing his heart to be in a little bit more stress than it needed to. And she was like, you would have had a C-section anyway. And I was like, see, mm -hmm. plan it, you prep for it. Cause it was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Uh, so they sent me to the hospital to have a C-section by 5 PM. Um, and my mom, <laughs> who was my birth partner was not there. She was six hours away and 5 PM was like two hours away, I think. And I was like, well, I guess I'll really have him by myself then. 
Um, and I got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back some more. <laughs> and eventually I had him at 1.40 in the morning and my mom did make it. Oh, uh, wow. She raced here. And I was like, just be safe. Cause you know, it's okay. They're all really nice. Um, yeah. He was born at 1.40 in the morning at 37 weeks and five days. So. Oh, that's so sweet. And he's yeah. happy now. He's so happy and healthy and thriving. Beautiful, beautiful kiddo. Gosh, he's, how old is he? Just turned a year, right? Yeah, he's 14 months. Yeah. That's wild. I feel like we could do a whole other podcast on being a single mother by choice. I know. So I'm not even going to, I mean, you're not even in the mindset realm of like more kiddos. Like you're like already focused. Uh, No. I am on route to baby two. Oh my <laughs> you God. are incredible. That yeah. I will message her sometimes and just be like, I'm having such a hard time. And I think of you because like, I have a hard time and I have su- like a support partner that's like in it with me. And I feel like, I don't know how I can do it. So the burden that you must bear every single day to keep him alive and ha- and it's not even that like you do the bare minimum. He has this like beautiful playroom in your house. Like you're always doing activities with him um, and you work full time. It's wild. Well, no, I can't even imagine because I like will look. Chris will come home from work and I'm like, okay, I'm, I tap out. It's your turn. Like, pass it over. <laughs> like, here's Ben. Yeah. I can't even imagine not being able to have like the tap out. Right, and it. I mean, it's difficult, right? I will. I mean, and but all parenthood is difficult. I just don't know any better. Yeah. So I think if you start this with a partner and like they leave or you know, God forbid, something happens, it would be totally different. Um, I also think that I would be more appreciative probably of a partner because if someone even does the bare minimum for me I'm going to be like hallelujah took something off my very overflowing plate (laughs) yeah you know like you put the trash in the trash can amazing how wonderful (laughs) like it won't take much for me to be like thank you appreciate that um but yeah trying for another one already right now I I just had my AMH rechecked um, oh my gosh. Yeah. In so the, you're like starting. Yeah. In the first couple of steps to try again. Okay. So do you think that, and we'll wrap up here and I want to hear like your feedback for women that are like, oh my gosh, I want, I, cause I hear it. I hear it a lot. Like I really want to yeah. try. I just, I want to be a single mom by choice. I, women are ruling the absolute freaking world these days. My mom and I were just talking about this. <laughs> Uh, like men are, men are urgent to find a woman because we're so like powerful. We have our yeah. shit together. Um, we do. I don't even, Oh, I don't know what my question was. Oh, are you going to go the same route? Do you think you'll do C- CNY again? I think so. Um, just because, I mean, the financial burden is still there. Um, as well as I now have one additional mouth to feed. Um, yeah. so, you know, you can't really, I mean, I can't really pay $15,000 for, you know, another one. So already cost me about 30,000. So I can't, can't do that for a second, but. Okay. Well, good luck. We're super excited. Please keep us updated. Obviously would love to be a support system where I can. And what are your, cause I think we're running up on an hour. What are some, like, what would you say to somebody listening to this? Like saying, okay, I think I could do that. You can Mm -hmm. and do it. It might be a bumpy road, 
But if you can just not lose sight of why you're doing it, it's going to be worth it in the end. I would do this every day. I would spend $30,000 every single day just to have Artie. I love that so much. Yeah. Now I have chills. You're the best. You're amazing. (laughs) You're such an incredible woman, incredible mom, incredible person. Do you have anything else you want to share with listeners? We're so thankful for you coming on and sharing your story. You're definitely our first single mother by choice. I love to represent. Um, I would say if you're thinking about it, start sooner rather than later. Um, You know, the longer you wait, it does really matter for fertility purposes. So if you're thinking about maybe at least get the blood rolling, you know, like do the initial blood work and see where you're standing to see, can I wait? Or maybe should I start now? Do I want to freeze my eggs to at least have them frozen to maybe start something later? Um, I would start sooner rather than later. And I think you're the perfect example of that. You went into this thinking like, okay, like going to get donor. We're going to do this. The IUI is going to work. And it was a much longer process. So thanks again, Elise. We are so happy and excited that you um, wanted to share your story with us. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. 